0: This is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues that shape our lives with your guides, Dr. Matthew Jacoby and DJ Payne.
1: This is a different episode, Matt. Well, it's not that different. We're still just going to... We're still going to blabber on, as we, we usually do. We,
2: we will. We, we, we blabber on. But what we're trying, we're trying something different for this perspective because we're now monthly, every mm. four weeks, an episode of Perspectives. And if you've got a suggestion of what you'd want us to talk about, please let us know. We decided to open up the floodgates of our listeners and some of our Thrive supporters on our Facebook page, and we've got some great questions come in.
1: Yeah, we have, yeah.
2: So, and I've even taken it to one step further. I've made people audio record their own questions and send them to us. Good. So, the, with, you All know, right. the, the production level's through the roof here.
1: Yeah, it's, that's great. We're <laughs> we're high production.
2: High production here. That's it. So let's let's go to uh, our very first question coming in here for this episode of Thrive Perspectives, and I think this is gonna this is gonna tie us over for the first half of this episode. Mm. I think this is a big one because we'll we'll play it and we'll get into it. Hi, Matthew and DJ. It's Anna from Alternative North here. I wanted to say I love listening to the podcast and listening to you guys, very knowledgeable. Um, I have a little question for you. It might sound a bit strange, but with everything that is going on in the world today, are we living in the end times yet? I've heard some pastors and teachers say that these are the end
0: times, but what does that even mean? I hope that's not too deep or tricky for you guys. Thanks.
1: Fantastic question from Anna. That's a great question. I've actually That's actually something that's come up. A bit? Yeah. Uh, lately, I've, I've heard uh, heard a couple of people ask that.
2: Well, I thought that was a great way to kick that off for our first
1: question yep. because this is such a timely
2: question. And as you've already said, so many people are talking about this, so many, um, you know, YouTube pundits' videos, so many, you know, different social yep. media things are really yep. pushing the fact
1: that these are the end times. Mm. Um. I mean, one of the let, – let's talk about maybe why people uh, yeah. are feeling that way. It's uh, Part of the reason is because we uh, are facing a in, – in the present crisis, uh, we're, we're facing something that we're not used to. Yeah. Uh, so I just – I think it's the first thing to recognise is that we are facing something that we're not used to but actually has been a part of world history uh, kind of forever. Yeah. I mean, and what I mean, and uh, we'll talk about what's different about now, mm-hmm. and uh, and and perhaps what that means is. But you know, for example, um, there, there are, have been uh, times of famine before, times of disease. Uh, there have been wars and rumors of wars, yeah. as Jesus <laughs> says. Um, uh, you know, people have. There's been pres- um, a conscription to, to battle. Imagine, yeah. man. Imagine there being a world war and we're getting conscripted yeah. and people are getting conscripted. It's like Your son's this is the e- end. I yeah. mean, you'd really, you know. So so in a way, mm. yes, I, I mean, and I don't want to invalidate the difficulty of the present time, but there's nothing new under the sun. Mm. And it's just that we've had, um, particularly in our society, we've had a very, very fortunate, say, 70 years. Yeah. Unusually prosperous. And, and I really mean that. Unusually unusually prosperous safe and we can begin to think well that's normal and uh disease famine war conflict yes. is somehow the exception and when that happens that's going to be uh that that must be the end uh, of the world now I, and I'm not I'm not um uh, belittling the the concern there I I actually want to connect that to uh something that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24 when he says to his disciples, "You're going to, there are going to be wars and conflict and rumors of wars, and, and there's going to be some really serious stuff happening, yes. but the end is not yet, right?" And he says, yeah. "Just when that happens, don't be alarmed and to be drawn into, um, uh, to be drawn into uh, movements or false prophecies, or because he says, you know, between now and the end, many false prophets are going to come." Uh, uh they are and they get, so so they will be false teachers and false prophets um they will and, and the the implication is there not that they'll just not that they'll come just from outside oh. of the church but actually the prediction is they'll be in the, from, from within, within the church yes okay? yes uh so and, so and
2: even and even I, I mean, this is i don't want i don't want to go too too far off track and i don't want to say any i don't want to read into jesus's words. Yeah. But sometimes some of these predictions and some of these, you know, prophecies or the way that people read the times, the signs of the times, they're doing it for the right reasons.
1: Yeah. You
2: yeah, know, yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah. So, so I'm not, I'm not criticizing people. I'm not actually criticizing people that are saying, yeah, man, this looks like the end. To- that's fine. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm. You know, when I ask like a question like that straight away, I want to go to okay. So, what did Jesus tell yes. us? So, at first he tells he tells us, don't be alarmed mm-hmm. when all of this stuff happening. Like yeah. This is the beginning of birth pains. I mean, he says that uh, in uh, Matthew chapter twenty four, and he's talking initially about the Jewish wars and 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 this whole, you know, last two thousand years have yeah. been riddled with war and conflict, and 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 at many stages, people believing. Um, and again, this is not to belittle the sense that we're in the end times at all. Yes. Okay? But to gain some perspective, that in that then uh, throughout history, there are, when these things happen, you know, during the Black Death uh, around uh, the year one thousand, there was a whole lot of things happening as well. Uh, you can imagine during the first and second World War, people were thinking. I mean, oh. uh, repeatedly throughout history, people have. Felt the impact of wars and rumors of wars, and, yeah. and famine and pestilence, and uh, and and they've thought this must be the end. Um, these are the you know in a, what what is referred to as as the birth pains. It's the sign that things are not as they should be in mm. the world. Mm. That actually can be quite healthy for us to. The problem is when we when everything's going well and we're in prosperity and we're you know prosperity and it's all going well, yeah. we can actually forget that the world is not as it should be and God is redeeming the world and sometimes we have to feel the brokenness of the world and the world system yeah. in order to actually remember ah oh, oh so this isn't the way that the world is yeah. God doesn't like the way that the world He it tells us do not love the world mm-hmm. um and we we are meant to live in in eager anticipation of what is to come okay yeah. so so the um the anticipation of the end is a good is a good thing yeah uh, you to, know, the, to because those we are meant to eagerly anticipate it. Yeah. well to those who
2: are looking forward to the second coming of christ yeah uh, paul says there'll be a crown in heaven yeah that's for, right for those exactly. who are, you know, like so that is a great yeah. thing and that sometimes
1: great... sometimes to wake us up and remind us well uh, well, remind us that the world isn't the way that it should should yeah. be. Uh, things get a little bit chaotic. Yeah. Uh, there is indication in Second uh, Thessalonians. There is this indication that that God, by His Spirit in the world today, is exercising a, some kind of restraining force 100%. on the forces uh, of evil. Um, but through there, and
2: through His church, through His yeah, body through His church. church. That's yeah. right.
1: And occasionally, occasionally, um, that is pulled back. And so, you know, you have. Uh, you know, you have wars, or you have a a pandemic like we're we're now facing, or you have whatever is the situation, and we're reminded of our mortality and our vulnerability and the vulnerability of our systems. Uh, so uh, that's not such a bad thing. So we are enormously vulnerable. Now, this is what I think. What is unique about now mm. is that um, uh, empires throughout history have come and gone. Every great empire has r- has risen and fallen um invariably uh, there's a very interesting book called immoderate greatness which tracks the rise and fall of empires and the factors that lead um, to the demise of all of these empires and it lists things like you know um, growing prosperity which leads to complacency which leads to entitlement which leads to moral decay which yep. leads to I mean and it's the it's the meme that's been popular
2: for the last decade <clears throat> uh you know great men create Good times. Good times create weak men. Yeah. Weak men create bad times. Bad times create the great men. Great men yeah, create right, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's a
1: cycle throughout history. That's right. And we, we we see that happening and uh you know as as we go through those factors and I mean it includes things like uh you know, instability and in um it talks about you know environmental factors are 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 often involved in that as well. Um and that has led to the to the fall of one empire after another Mm. the difference now is that we're dealing with a globalized situation so for the first time you know whereas one you know an empire in you know somewhere in the world has risen and fallen and another one is doing the same somewhere else another one the same somewhere else now we're dealing with a globalized situation yeah um uh, problems now are global problems and this is and and i think i mean we we felt the impact of that somewhat uh, in the 20th century, um, with the wars, with the um, uh, you know nuclear, uh, uh-huh. with the Cold War and, and the possibility of a nuclear war, uh, we realised: oh, now we're in a in a globalised situation. Yeah. Uh, now uh, we're we're facing uh, a pandemic that is. Uh, is is global and the possibility, well, this may not be the last time this kind of thing uh, happens. And global on, on a few different factors, how connected everything is as far as
2: trade, people coming and going, but also connected in the way that th- stories are reported and how the narrative is told around these type of things. It's global in the sense that, you know, one, the minute it happens on the other side of the world, we're watching it literally five yeah, seconds yeah, later... Right. On, on a Twitter live video over yeah, here,
1: yeah. So so the disease spreads, um, and uh, and and also you know I mean every everything is globalized. You yes. know the, the the information, the um, uh, you know I mean everything a lot of the is, responses yeah, yeah, to it, yeah. A lot yeah. of the responses, um, and uh, and so we are in a different situation in a different circumstance in that in that mm. respect. I think so let's get back to the question yeah. in, in in a sense and this is what uh Jesus wanted us to understand that from the moment he ascended into heaven we are in the end times in this sense uh i mean peter talks about uh, the end being near mm. and and by nearness he means imminence mm-hmm. so so once once jesus ascended into heaven the next at the next big thing on the prophetic calendar was mm-hmm. the return of Christ. Amen. Okay, and uh, and and so when th- there is this expectation, uh, and and you know it even says that in the New Testament about the end being near, um, it, it's not talking chronologically. It's talking in terms of um, the next big prophetic act, the next big act of God. Yeah. Is actually the return of Christ, and, and, and so that's how Scripture functions. So, yes. so you're looking at it like uh, like we would look at, a, at at a mountain range and foreshortening the axe. You know, yes. you see the peaks, but they seem to be all close together. It's the next event. It's on the next yeah. event on the prophetic calendar.
2: And the other side of it is that a lot of the prophetic talk around it, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament, talks about you know time. Going fast, or there's a speediness to it, or there's a quickness to it. Yeah, that I think sometimes we read, we think we read those, and we see signs of things happening, or we long to see the signs of things happening, and we expect things to start happening quickly. Yeah, I think a lot of the prophetic word. Correct me if I'm wrong, Matt. uh, A lot of the word of God means that once these things actually do start happening, it will happen quickly. Yeah, that's right. Not that not that we see something now and then all of a sudden it's off like that. It's that when actually Jesus. You know the, the you know the next thing on the calendar starts yep. happening. It's all going to happen. Yeah, that's very right. quickly
1: Yeah. So um, one of the things that Jesus says is that the gospel is going to go out to all nations on earth, and mm-hmm. then the end will come. Uh, we're getting closer. Uh, very much. So. Uh, very much closer to that. Mm. Um, I think one of the things that we need to be careful of is is the way that we interpret the times, and this equals this, and this equals that, and that yeah. you know. Uh, we we just need to be careful about that because that can be, that's where a lot of false prophets have gained traction. Yes, um, by saying, oh, this is the mark of the beast, or yes. this is this, you know, or this is that.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, and G- uh, Gog and Magog represent, uh, you know, China
1: or Russia or I- what? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've heard, we've know, heard every yeah, everything. and so you need to get ten, behind this policy or that yeah, policy. The and
2: ten horns equal the ten divisions of this particular yeah,
1: government. That's like, yeah. well, so the, the thing. With the, the reason why the book of Revelation is is in this apocalyptic form, very veiled yes. form, and it's told in symbolism. It's in a way, it's God's way of telling us what's going to happen without telling us what's going to happen. Yes. So we're not expected to know. It's not. Um, we're not meant to focus on whether this is that or this is that, because we can argue to the end. You know, yeah. um, we're meant to focus on our responses mm. on. Uh, on our uh, um, our attentiveness in the moment, yeah. are we connected with God? Are we in the Word? Are we are we wa- you know are, are we, we in the right the place right spiritually? Yes. Are we, yes. you know um, so so we might you know we might be interpreting the times completely differently. And I mean, you and I <laughs> invariably have completely different opinions on on uh, you know on political matters and what's happening. Yeah. You know, and, and our interpretations of uh, of of what is happening, but we. 100% agree on how we need, to, on yeah. what Jesus is saying about how we need to um, hold ourselves and respond and what we need to be doing yeah. in order, you know, it's that keep your lamps burning yes. kind of thing. It's like, uh, don't, don't, and, and I think what Jesus is saying in Matthew 24 is don't focus on what's going on out there. Yeah. Look at yourself and how you're responding and your integrity and stick, uh, you know, and haven't we been saying this, stick to the mission. Yeah. Stick to the main game. Don't <laughs> and, get drawn into the wrong battles. Yeah, and the other
2: thing you, we, we need to... So to answer your question, Anna, and everybody else who's sitting there got, in, got, got mm. the same question,
1: <clears throat> are we in the end times? Yes. Yes, w- well, we have been from the time <laughs> of Christ, <laughs> but we, of course, are moving... Closer. Uh, are we in the end of the end times? I mean, yes. you know, it's. Now, it's and, and her
2: other question, Matt, is is what does that actually mean? And so, obviously, and you've already you've already said it, but I just want to say it very clearly so people don't misconstrue. It. The end times, the next thing on the calendar, and there's different ways of seeing and yeah. what is going to happen before, and all the different views around what we call eschatology, the study of the end times, yeah. is. Jesus Christ will return mm. to earth Yep. now depending on traditions that you were raised on raised in that might mean a rapture that may, might mean a bodily yeah. you know I'm setting up a kingdom but that might be the end of a thousand years that might be the beginning of that there's all different yep. ways to look at it like that right yeah and and we d- we're not that's not this mm. yeah, yeah. this podcast we did do uh we have a, done we yes. have done
1: a, a thrive Perspectives on the end, t- the biblical yes. teaching on the end times. So
2: you go back and have a listen yep. to that if you want to. But uh, the point is, the next thing on the calendar is that Jesus is coming back. Yep. Jesus is coming back. Uh, uh, you know, Christians have been yep. saying that from from the time that He left. Yep. So the other, the other side. So, so the other thing that I really want to point out is, though Jesus spoke openly about that, told his followers that that was coming and what to expect and things like that. But we don't just have those chapters where Jesus is prophesying about that. We have the rest of the New Testament as well. We have the New Testament that Paul and Peter and James and Jude have given us mm. about how to live now in the world, yeah, that's right. in the midst of... Of the end times, yeah. yeah, that's right. You know what is important now? Well, the church is important. What is important now? Living out our faith amongst yeah. amongst the world, yep. you know. So we don't we don't throw all those things away all of a sudden, yeah. Because we think, oh, Jesus is coming back tomorrow, yeah. We we actually make those things more important, and yeah. we, we follow them more closely yeah, and make sure right. our hearts are aligned yeah. there.
1: So, in in and to speak to that, uh, you know, what are we meant to be doing now? You know, in Jesus parable of the weeds and the wheat he pictured and this is a a really helpful um picture that he gives of these of the weeds and the wheat growing in the fields and as they grow they're almost indistinguishable um but as we move towards the end times uh there's this polarization effect you know as we move uh there's there's a greater sense um of um uh of distinction and yet he says, "Don't try and don't be focused on pulling up weeds. Yeah. That's not the mission, you yeah. know. Because we, we we want to, uh, you know, we want to go out there and be and be, you know, weeding out all of the we want to be evil. the judges. You know, yeah, want to be, be the judges. Yeah. No, no. Just focus on the good seed. Focus yeah. on, you know, it's like focus on being the wheat. Um, and uh, and certainly, um, you know, once we when you read uh, the." You know Revelation and and uh, Paul in Second Thessalonians talks about the man of lawlessness and the power of lawlessness and and if you connect that to what it says in Revelation about the you know the beast and you've got something that is very um, very distinct and and straight up in that we're not going to be left guessing is this the right thing or is this the wrong thing it's like uh, you know worship the beast is going to demand worship yes you know it's going to be really yeah. uh, it's going to be really clear and Look, we you know and so, so the actual yeah, and that's that point of polarization where the choice becomes really clear it's not going to be oh is this you know is this wrong or is this right or no it'll just be it'll be clear <laughs> okay so point. let me play the role of, of someone who's who's struggling <laughs> with this yeah.
2: they'll say, they say but matthew it says you know in 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 the bible that you know even in the end times maybe even the elect will be deceived mm you know, in it. So yeah. they could trick us with a mark of the beast that we didn't know was a mark of the beast. Yep.
1: I'm yep. just th- I'm throwing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? right. And that's why we need to be, re- That's if, as particularly as we move forwards, we need to be really well grounded in the word and in, in you know, discerning. Uh, so, um, you know, deception can only happen in the darkness. Yeah. And if we're really, I mean, and, and I think this is the thing, one of the, the reasons why false teachers can come up within the church and mislead people is because people lack, it happens when people lack discernment. Yeah. And discernment you know, comes from the Word of God. Comes from comes from the Word of God and understanding the Word of God, understanding uh, how things happen. And, you know, it's very easy to get convinced by someone mm-hmm. uh, when, when you don't get it, you know, when you're not equipped. Yes. Uh, and so that's why, you know, again, you know, um, Lies can only happen in the darkness, and so we need yeah. to be constantly bringing the light of the word uh, into our lives and that 's what makes that 's what polarizes things and makes things distinct mm. you know so I think uh, for those who are um, who are sober minded uh you know in the word it will be it will be obvious you know what i mean it 'll be it'll be an obvious uh thing that we yeah. will uh and and there won 't be um uh yeah, it it'll be uh it'll be a very stark choice as well.
2: I, I think so as well. I think I think that issue of being tricked is yeah. something that has concerned a lot of people yeah. with some of the things that we're seeing around us at the moment and I think that's a that's a similar thing. But I just I want to encourage my my mother did this to me when I was younger because I was raised uh, you know, in the eighties, yeah. you know, seventies and eighties and nineties, in a in a fundamentalist church, yeah. raised on Jack Chick and yeah, yeah. you know, Tim yeah. LaHaye, and yeah, the, yeah. you know, Chick Tracks and all the Revelation and prophecy books that came out in that in that you know the Jesus movement wave. You know, it was rife in the church. Yeah. And you know, being the studious kid that I was and lover of God's Word, I would spend time in this. And and my my wise mother once said, you know, go back and read some if you can find it. Go back and read what some of the Bible scholars or what the Jack Chicks of their day were saying in the 1940s. Yeah. <laughs> in World War Two. Yeah. yeah. You want to see signs and prophecies fulfilled? Yeah. Everything in the book of Revelation
1: coming to pass? looks like it in the in the 40s didn't it yeah
2: well not only look like there were books being published oh, yeah, and magazines yeah. Yeah, being right. published yeah. and preachers yeah. aligning every step and everything this oh, mark here imagine. Yeah, is yeah. this here this is being tricked we're being you know on both sides yeah. for you know all political they were, they were going through yeah. it they were going through it and you realize oh my goodness we've in one sense it it, 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 it takes the wind out of your sails a little bit to go oh wow – you know, we've gone through this cycle a bit, but in another sense, it goes. You sort of go, okay. The church is always going to see whatever's happening around yeah. us in a negative light yeah. as a fulfillment of that, because we're looking forward to Jesus coming
1: back. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and so there can be a, there can be a positive and yeah. a negative side. I to think it. I think that thing of being tricked as well. I mean, I we we have in our culture we have this um, we have this attachment to uh ideas and beliefs sort of in the abstract you know it's like we like um if i if i hold the right theories yeah somehow i'm right no actually we we believe the truth uh so that we can um so that we can live with lives entrusted to god you know what i mean it's actually um the the w- what we what we think isn't the most important thing it's not not important mm. but uh, so you're, you know, so having the right opinion about what's happening or what's going to happen, or that that isn't the main thing. The, being tricked means being tricked into uh, a form of false worship, essentially. That's, you know, that's so. So, so as, long, okay. as long as we stick, uh, as, you know, so you don't need to understand whether this is that or that's that or that's this. Yes, you know, in terms of what's going around. What what you need to watch is not so much that, but yourself, and that's what that's what the you know when Jesus uh, talks about the end times and he says you don't know what you don't know when the Son of Man is going to right. So so just don't get caught up on that because you don't know. What you need to focus on is your readiness. So so look look to yourself and. Uh, and don't be tricked into losing your integrity and your holiness and your and your focus on God. Can I can I try to summarise what you just said?
2: Yeah, you know, let me do the DJ version, the yeah. translation, <laughs> paraphrase. You're not going to be tricked by not understanding exactly what yeah. the signs are or yeah, the mark yeah, of the beast yeah, is, or whatever. Yeah, you're going to be tricked by something blatantly. Like yeah. you will, like you know, the discerning Christian will know. Yeah because it's going to be an act of worship yeah. or a, a particular sign yeah, that will be right. leading you out of the scripture. Yeah, yeah that's right.
1: Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And,
2: and the important thing isn't have we got the mental checklist of understanding what it is?
1: That's not part of yeah. the trick. That's yeah, not part th- that's of the right. trick. It's you, What you've got to watch is yourself. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, things might happen that, that make you um, give all your attention to what's happening in the world. Yeah so that so much so that you could become fearful and anxious and that becomes that. And so you lose your peace and you yeah. lose your focus. You start fighting battles that you're not meant to be fighting. Yeah. And, and so it's like straight away, you've been drawn off the narrow path in the sense, you know, we, we it's, it's very clear, yeah, very, very clear. Uh, even though it's not clear exactly what this means and that me- you know in the book yep. of in terms of the unfolding events of the end times, what is absolutely clear is how we're meant to live and what we're meant to live for. Yeah. Right. So if we focus on living the way that we're told to live, yes, according to the mission, and like, not getting drawn into other I things like it. according to the gospel yep. mission that yep. we have, being witnesses to the risen Christ in the world. Yes. Okay. Then, if we stick to that and only that, we'll be fine. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, that, that's good. That's good. One, one last little note on this the end times shouldn't cause us, as Christians who know Christ, distress because we're looking forward that's to it. Right. You know, the, yeah. that's the other side. A lot of people come to me and are really stressed that we're in the end times. Yes, it's going to get dark. Yeah. But God's got us. Yeah. You
1: know, and, and this is us going home if it is. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. It, you know, and, and again, let it you know uh, change your focus from what's going on out there to self examination. Yeah. What's going on in here, what's going on in our in in your heart and and uh, that's where the emphasis is meant to be.
2: All right, we've got other questions, Matt.
1: Let's try to get one more in before I like we that. take that was a good. Uh, that was a good question. Yeah, and that's an important question. Thank you question. for that one. Yep. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Anna. And everybody else who's been asking that question as well. Let's go to Bernie here. Uh, I think will give us a good question to lead us up to the break.
0: Hello, Matthew and DJ. This is Bernie from Harkness. Thanks for the Thrive Perspective podcast. I really love them. In fact, yeah, they're my favourite. And they're just so insightful. Here is the deserted island question. If you're going to the imaginary island and you have the Bible, what three other books do you take with you besides the Bible? Just three books.
2: All right, now this this one is this one I, I'm very flippant about, you know, because I think these are fun. But you, as the as the professor, Matt has Matt literally Bernie. Matt has literally been sweating over this question.
1: Uh, well, I, I haven't, you know. Um, <laughs> now this is this is Bernie
2: wrote it out to
1: me. I haven't even quite landed
2: yet. Exactly, we've gone back and forth here. So Bernie Bernie's asking that uh, deserted island question. Yeah. you know, you can only yeah. take certain things. So you've got a Bible.
1: You know, well, you've got your Bible. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. You played the questions to me before, and yeah. so I haven't had much time to think no. about this. But the first book, interestingly, the first book that popped into my head yes. uh, as soon as I heard the question was The Imitation of Christ by Thomas a Kempis writing this uh, down. Uh, it, it is. Um, I'm reading it again now. I can remember reading it a number uh, of years ago, maybe a couple of decades ago, and it was just profound. It's, it's like reading Scripture. It's so scriptural. Wow um uh it's uh it comes out of the um sort of late what we would call the late middle ages wow uh, thomas Akempis was the um uh f- the uh forget the the order that he was a part of the brethren of the common life is that the
2: you've uh, got me uh, there perhaps? i have no yeah. idea
1: anyway um very much uh th- you know the the group the order that he was a part of very much paved the way almost like a pre-reformation okay. uh, kind of yes. uh, group uh, very much focus on Christ and on, you know, living Christ-like lives. That was their focus. But the imitation of Christ, if you can get a, a modern translation, try to find a, a modern translation. Yeah. Um, of the imitation of Christ, and we'll is have the, absolutely profound. We'll have the links in the show note. I'll put some links
2: of of the books that I can find. Uh, my, one of mine, I would have to say, I'm you know again, I'm totally the other, other end of the spectrum. About yeah. if I've got my Bible, I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Yeah, everything else is just gravy. I would take, I would cheat. Yeah, and take a one volume edition. Of the Lord of the Ring trilogy, oh yeah,
1: okay. Because I, I could just read that is, over is and there, over again. I, I think that's cheating. Are Yeah, well, there,
2: yeah, are that, there... yeah I, it is totally cheating. It's yeah. a, well, I'm, I'm, I'm now yeah, reclassifying yeah, Bernie's right, rules yeah. and saying, okay, it's one book.
1: Yeah, right. right yeah. It's a
2: one volume. It's it's all three yeah. books in one there.
1: Yeah, I, th- and this this is where it gets hard because now now there's so many. I, yeah. I could, I, I mean, I go straight away to to the classics, the classics that that moved me and that I've never forgotten. Yeah. Um I I loved um The Pilgrim's Progress oh. by John Bunyan. Yes, great. Um the the allegory uh sits in my mind. Uh that th- not many books I have have actually made me weep. Yeah. Oh. Uh, that's that's one that made me weep when he was crossing over the river yeah. uh at the end. Uh I just can remember I think it's time crying for you to, my way through. Uh, you for know, me to read that, that book again. Um, yeah, I, that that one brought tears to my eyes. Um, interestingly, another another one I remember recently that brought tears to my eyes at the end was um, uh, Tolstoy's Resurrection, which is a book about the spiritual transformation of a uh, of a man. There's a couple of books um, of Tolstoy's, The Death of Ivan Ilyich, and Resurrection, that both track. Basically, the spiritual conversion of uh, of a couple of different people, and, and, and I find those so moving I, they're just amazing. Well,
2: as someone who knows you as a friend, I would be upset if you didn't put Tol- Tolstoy
1: <laughs> or a, or a Kierkegaard book oh, in your, on yeah. your list well, uh, because that's all you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm going that's all you're talking three. about. Yeah. Look, if I was if if I was on a desert island, probably you know I'd probably go for something that uh, that is going to last the distance, yeah, and uh, that I'd have to. Spend uh, my whole life trying to understand, and, and certainly, uh, you know, a book by Kierkegaard uh, would be uh, Kierkegaard's concluding unscientific postscript, which is a dense philosophical work, but again, so profound and uh, and, and again, just, but just don't c- don't go get it because it's you know uh, it's too hard to understand. Yeah.
2: And for me, I would have I would have to have at, at least one C.S. Lewis book in there.
1: Well, you know, I was going to say, and, and look, we're treat we're, we're, yeah, we, we were given three. I know. Maybe look. Maybe after, um, maybe after, uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Mere Christianity. Yes, uh, was enormously important for me. Yeah, uh, as a young Christian. I yeah. mean, enormously important for me.
2: Yeah, and, and and there's so much. I mean, I love. And but again, I I then lean towards his novels. Till we have faces. Yeah, yeah. Crush me. Yeah, and it's such a. Bi- oh, yeah. it's, it's his a last. Book. His last novel, all the Narnia chronicles, you know. Yeah. You know all. You yeah. know even even the cosmic trilogy. I just yeah. I, I I, I find myself thinking about um you know that hideous strength mm. over and over again because I think he he was very prophetic yeah. in the way that he saw the world going and so uh you know I have some of those books but, but but the book that we want to talk I've about I've got a
1: confession to make yeah, yeah yeah to you, I have not read the Lord of the Rings trilogy i I know i've read the hobbit i read it in school but i i got to the i am flummoxed (laughs) and i'm disappointed well i started reading it i think at one stage and i got to the bit where they're being attacked by a tree and i thought (laughs) i don't reckon this is real you, you know.
2: cynical <laughs> old man. You cynical old man. It is a beautiful. I know, I know. Beautiful. I know. Look, so I know it's I, full I of. That.
1: It's got some weird stuff, especially the beginning. I'm just joking. I. I Yes, I'll put it on my list. Put it on your list. Now that you're, your I mean, gee, now that you're taking it to uh, the desert. Well, if we're on the deserted yeah.
2: island together, oh, if you we, could if lend we, me your I'll, you, okay, I'll, yeah. I'll lend it to you. Now
1: we're going to take a quick break, and this is a great segue into this because
2: I know that one of the books you had on your list that you forgot to mention was A Praying Life by Paulie Miller. And we would, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good segue. We've got a segue, here, and we're going to tell you about that next here on Thrive Perspectives. Family, Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this 44th episode of Thrive Perspectives. I hope you're having as much fun as Matthew and I did with these questions. Now, I want to tell you about A Praying Life by Paul E. Miller. As we just mentioned, this book is very special. Matthew is recommending it to you and we have it on sale for you, the book is called A Praying Life. The author is Paul E. Miller. The book is all about connecting with God in a distracting world. It's a worldwide bestseller, and I sat down with Matt and I read through the uh, you know the contents here, the outline of the book because I knew it would get him excited. He's learning to pray like a child learning to trust again, learning to ask your father. And then in a section here, living in your father's story, he has a, a uh, quite a few sections about understanding lament mm. and understanding the Hebrew lament. Mm. He actually tells a story here. Paul e. Miller tells a story about how he went to his church and he gave them quotes. And he didn't mm. tell them where the quotes were from. Right. And the church came back and said, well, that's a bit disrespectful. Yeah, you yeah. don't talk about God yeah, like that. Good. And he came back and was like, surprise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You know, he, you know, this is from Psalm 10. Why do you, Lord, why you stand afar off? Yeah. You know, all these different yeah. things. Yeah. How, how has those revelations and that understanding of the Psalms helped you in your prayer life?
1: Uh, it, it has um, activated my faith in some really important ways, allowing me to to push through disappointment yeah um which is an inevitable uh thing that happens to us when we tend to respond to disappointment by just lowering our expectancy levels I'll just expect less of God when what you see in the psalms it, rather than doing that they pushed through. They said, no, no, but God, you, you said that you would be with me and yeah. that you would be faithful and that I—that we would see your faithfulness. And, and I mean, they don't presume when, presume when and how God will answer, but they do. They are looking for God and with that level of expectancy. When they don't see it, they complain. Yeah. That has been enormously liberating for me and a faith-activating thing.
2: Well, if you hear that and you think, man, I want to go deeper in my prayer life, my prayer life needs a shake-up, this is the book for you. I want you to head over to thrivetoday.tv. Thrivetoday.tv, that is our home on the internet. Right at the top, you'll see listeners special offer. Listener's special offer. You are a listener. Click on that and that will take you to our store where the book, usually $23, is only $18 Australian for you. $18 Australia, an incredible sale price. We've been able to secure a few of these. You need to rush in. We've only got a few left. So if you've been putting it off, time to order the book now. A Praying Life exclusive offer for you, our listeners of Thrive Perspectives. Get in there over at thrivetoday.tv and get a hold of that right now. Now, it's only available for Australians and it's only available while stocks last. So get in there really quick and get a hold of A Praying Life by Paul E. Miller. Let's get back into Thrive Perspectives now with more questions from you. you. On Thrive perspectives. Well, you never really were away from us there at Thrive Perspectives. Uh, make sure you get a hold of that book. And we've we've just we've only got through two questions, Matt. We've got a bunch mm. of questions left of people right. sending us audio questions. Might be something we have to revisit doing mm. in the future. I've got another question here. This is coming from Mars in Sydney.
1: Hey, it's Mars from Sydney here. Uh question out to
2: DJ and Pastor Matt. First of all, love the love the podcast, both Thrive Perspectives and Uh, thrive deeper. So my question is, if you could go back to any, throughout the history of the church and be a part of someone's ministry, whose ministry would it be?
1: Hmm. Okay, well, let's say, because we would go back to Jesus, of course, uh, I I think, but so let's, let's take it since the time of jesus Should yes. we do that I like, I like the rule yeah yeah, yeah. And,
2: and, and i'll even go he says the history of the church oh, if yeah, we yeah, both agree yeah.
1: that the church was born on pentecost yeah. after yeah. jesus ministry okay. well okay and and let's go after uh Ooh. after acts as well i mean okay. you know, like do we, you know because obviously I, I would have loved to have met paul yes i have i have i, 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 have, I, a, I have a <laughs> man you know it's the writings of Paul. I come back to over and over and over again. That's, I mean, I, I, I regularly read the other parts of Scripture, but it's the epistles of Paul. There's something about the apostle Paul that yeah. draws me in. Let's go to church history, though. Okay, and, and let's, let's also, start with you.
2: Let's also assume. Let's also assume here that uh, language and culture isn't going to be yeah, a barrier. Yeah, okay, right? you, you go know, first. We, we've got to think. Oh man, look, I. I've just—I'm almost answering the same question again that we just had with our books, and I know this is not a ministry type of thing, but if I could have been part of the Inklings, which was the the loosey goosey crew that met in a pub and talked about their books and faith in God, of. Tolkien and Lewis and, oh, yeah, the, and yeah. the crew meeting together, talking about, you know, faith and everything. I mean, that's not really a ministry yeah. in one sense, even though their books have
1: ministered yeah. to... Well, wow, there's a theme for you in this... Uh,
2: I, I've just been really thinking about that era yeah, and that right, time. Okay. And, I, I, and so yeah. so that would be... that Because the other thing, I do love... I've been getting into some Puritan writing. Yeah, but I wouldn't really want to be part of the ministry because I don't think it would be. They were the most fun people to be around. Can I be honest? There,
1: no, possibly not. (laughs) I well, their their writings laid. Can I say though, their writings laid the. Groundwork yeah. for the Great Awakening, 100 oh, yeah. percent, and for the Second Great Awakening in yes. the nineteenth century. Yes, people like uh, Spurgeon and, and and Moody and others. I mean, were absolutely steeped in. Oh. I mean, in you know, uh, people like Jonathan Edwards in America, yes. uh, Wesley Whitfield. They were they were steeped in in Puritan writings, yeah. and so. Um, uh, that you know, Matthew, the very famously John Bunyan. We mentioned John Bunyan before yeah. was one of the Puritans. You know, f- famously Matthew Henry's commentaries was. Uh, you know, he was a Puritan. I I love their writers. I went through a period where I read heaps of yeah. that early Puritan, and I'm talking. We're talking England in the uh, in the 16th and 17th centuries.
2: Yeah. Just after yeah. the, you know, very yeah. the, a couple yeah. hundred years after, there's
1: the there's a stereotype, by the way, of the Puritan, which is the witch-burning kind yeah. of pilgrim. <laughs> Let's just get rid of that. We're not talking about that. Uh, we're talking about those. They were a group of non-conformists who who um, who didn't want the the uh, you know the king or queen telling yes. them how to worship God, and yeah. so. Uh, they uh yeah it was amazing amazing time and amazing group of people many of them wrote from prison and so forth and that's what i'm uh, saying
2: they didn't exactly have
1: cheery no, happy no, lives no no they didn't have cheery happy lives you know but their writings are amazing yeah all right okay my um i i, I would this is this is hard because there's lots of yes. you know I, there's just so many people that i'd like to meet i am fascinated by some of the women in the middle ages who really led significant moves of God, like spiritual movements? Uh, and I, I know you are you, you, looking at me like, "Wow, that came out of the blue." Yeah, but um, th- this really interesting thing hap- is happening in the late Middle Ages when the Church really is is at its most wayward in many respects. What are we talking eleven hundred, twelve hundred? We're talking twelve, thirteen hundred. Okay. Um yeah, in in that late from sort of yeah, the, maybe the you know one thousand through to. Uh, in, in a broad sense um while you know while the guys were arguing over power and politics and trying to um establish the kingdom of god by the sword yeah. <laughs> it's like uh well at least by you know i mean there were lots of power struggles and look there were lots of good things in the midst of it. there were these amazing women uh like and 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 the classic example of this and and this is if I could choose any one of them, the one that I would like to meet is a, a woman called Hildegard of Bingen, uh, Hildegard von Bingen, German, wow. a German, uh, a German uh, monastic m- woman who lived in a monastery, led a, a movement, yeah, whose whose writings are, uh, she was you know she's referred to as a mystic, yes, uh, her writings are absolutely profound uh, and 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 her life is amazing actually and i would i would love because it's so different to now and um and and they really gave up everything yeah just to seek god and to live a christ like life um i just would love to go and listen to her interestingly many many church leaders did uh even those because, because in those days, a, a woman like that was meant to have a clerical male as her supervisor, yep. but invariably, those guys who were her superiors came to her as the you know, as yeah. the mentor, as the spiritual mentor. Wow, and um, yeah.
2: Okay, that is you. You really. I went know. I field. know. You went yeah.
1: field. No, that was good. I'm glad. You yeah. surprised me there. You know when, and, and the other other person I would love to meet, and this this actually I should have men- mentioned this with the last question about books, yeah, because one of the other most profound books uh, that I've read that is an absolute favorite of mine is Brother Lawrence's The Practice of the Presence of God. Man, I, I would love to meet Brother Lawrence, wow. who was. Not even a full cleric; he's just the guy that worked in the monastery kitchen. Yeah, and yet he he's somehow he just had this amazing relationship with God. Uh, and what what year were we talking the, around? The book that practice the presence of God is actually written uh, mainly by people who are. Uh, it's I think it's some of his letters, but it's through conversations with him and okay. uh, various things. So he is. Uh, late Middle Ages. I can't remember his dates. Wow! Date. All
2: right, all right. So, so there we, you
1: go. That's somehow for somehow that period. It's it's a, it is it was a period of darkness. Yeah. But often in the darkness, you there know, the the, the, it, the the flame where it is burning really yeah. matters. And it's interesting that you've gone before.
2: The Reformation yeah. as well. You've got yeah. you've got yeah. into that, which is really interesting. All right, let's go into a um, let's go into another question here. Um, this is from this is from Tom and someone who's been enjoying what we've been doing on Deeper. Hi there, brothers. This is uh, Tom from Hillside in Victoria. I've been really enjoying your podcast. It's been a real blessing in my life. I was uh, listening to one Samuel reading through one Samuel as well, and I was asking you a question about the first
3: chapter which is about Hannah opening up her womb and her her faith and i thought i'd ask you how that actually affects everything in through
2: through jesus is that a precipitation of 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 jesus as well being from the old testament All right, so I had to go back to Tom and get a little bit of clarification about this one. And uh, he apologizes about, you know, sort of the way that he's asked the question. But don't apologize, Tom. It's a great question. What he means is he sees in Hannah this faith in God that reminds him of what Jesus is surprised about in the Gospels. Yeah. When the whole, her, her family, her husband, the other wife, all are looking at her like she's a loser. She's like, no, I know that God can do this and she has a faith yeah. in God. And it's the type of faith that, that, you know. So his question there is more like, are we meant to think about that when, when we get to, you know, is that something that reminds us about what Jesus is talking about, a surprising
1: faith? Um, So you're talking about those instances where Jesus comes upon people like this. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting thing about Hannah's faith uh, is that it wasn't just this psyched up kind of um, uh, kind of spiritual fireworks kind of thing. Yeah. Um, One of the things that it says about them that they every year, year by year, they came up to the tabernacle to worship God. Yeah. And uh, it was a steadfast faithfulness. That's the kind of faith. It's, it's a faith that was there regularly. And, and, and so then when it mattered, they were in the right place, mm. attuned to God, uh, to be able to receive from God. And this is what I think, uh, this is, because I think sometimes we can think about faith as a really particularly kind of, spiritually psyched up kind of state. Yes. I mean, to put that, I don't know yeah, how, to, no. how else to put that, you know. Yeah. But actually, I think it looks more like a long faithfulness. It means uh, it means keeping your lamp burning. It means being in the... So that when the moment comes, uh, as Jesus said, when the time of testing comes, and for Hannah that was, you know, in, in her barrenness and, and her... There was that faith actually to push through that mm. and uh, and God met that faith because she was drawing near to God by the regularity of just that pattern of life she her life showed a pattern of faithfulness. See the same thing actually in in luke 's Gospel you know when it introduces us to Simeon and Hannah in yes. the temple courts when Joseph and Mary uh brought Jesus yeah uh you know and you 've got man, the Messiah, God in the flesh is there and and everyone 's just you know, no one's really recognizing this, but there were these two: the old Hannah and the whole, and and the the, um, the old sorry, Simeon, uh, Simeon, and, and the prophetess Hannah, mm-hmm. Anna, I should say. Yeah. They had been there, looking out. You know, yeah, being watchful, and they were there before they. Died to see God's faithfulness, and yeah. so it's. It, it. I think it looks like the people who hang in there through thick and thin, whether you feel like it or not. This is why I'm emphasizing. It's not this psych up. Yes. Psyched up. Experience its yep. long faithfulness.
2: They're prepared. They've put in the hard work, yeah. so that when God is God arrives, they're yeah. not out somewhere yeah, that's else. Right. Yeah, yeah, doing, yeah. I love it. Okay, Tom. Hopefully, that was a great question. Tom also had a lot of comments and some fun stuff to say about a lot of the humor that we try to interject, yeah. especially okay. at the, the opening yeah. of the podcast.
1: But I'm going to speak. Is he, is he getting worried about our uh, <laughs> beginning? Is he getting worried about you <coughs> know, our, our, our our relationship? No, here. no, no. <laughs> I think he he appreciates he
2: appreciates how dry we both can be at the the beginning so Tom I appreciate the fact that you appreciate it Uh, let's go to another question here this is from Chris from Geelong here DJ I hear you are a lover of a good conspiracy theory so I'm interested to know what is the best
1: conspiracy theory you have ever heard but what you you have you have told me some that I, some wild wild conspiracy theories that i 've never heard of, yeah like well, I mean yeah well like, okay way out there I, like, let yeah, me let me give just me, say, give this, me. Is,
2: this is an elder of the church that I currently <laughs> attend, and uh someone who I think is trying to get me in trouble i don 't know what Chris is doing here but uh but okay chris look look personally, some of my favorite uh conspiracy theories. I've got to be careful here because some of them can be really upsetting to people. Mm. But but again, by me saying, and, and I need to take a big step back, I think being raised in the type of church that I was raised in, in the 70s and the 80s, mm. fundamentally gave me a worldview where conspiracy theory was not not like hyped up and believed in, mm. but was a valid way of looking at the world Mm. or, you know, and I started collecting them like a kid collects baseball cards, Mm. you know, type of thing. Mm. I started finding books on different, you know, and I became someone who was so interested in all of those different conspiracies and mostly because of the way that my faith, I thought about my faith and still to a smaller part today, think about it, I think about the Christian faith as being the greatest conspiracy theory of them all. You know, we believe in a man who who said he was God and died and rose again Mm -hmm. and is coming back for us. Mm. For a lot of people a lot of the experts today, that is the wildest, worst conspiracy theory mm. of all time. So I say that to say, you know, there are some theories out there that I, I do enjoy. The The oldies are the classics, the flat earth mm. and, and the ice wall and what is beyond the ice wall, the lands and everything out there beyond the ice wall. Um, and the reasons why people believe in the flat earth are some of my favourite conspiracy theories. Mm. And a lot of these... And dare I say it, a lot of the conspiracy theories are things that I th- I honestly go, I don't think it's true, mm. but, man, I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> like, there is part of me that goes, even with the craziest ones, whether it's a moon landing or whatever, I sort of want to yeah. live in the world where these are, you know, the conspiracy theories yeah. that happen.
1: I wonder whether it's a little bit too much Hollywood in some of that because I think it's some of it works on a sort of caricature of, oh, yes. of the way... Uh, of, of the sort of good and evil, yeah, you know, the good guys and the bad guys, and there's yeah. there's the bad guy sitting behind. It's the it's the James Bond ga- bad guy there is that's a- deceiving everyone in the world, and it's just like oh, that's not re-. like yeah, that's a that's a that's a bit more out of Hollywood culture than yeah. you know. Uh, and I think this is why um, this is why probably a lot of these originate in Western. You know, countries yeah. where we've been steeped, where our imaginations have, I think, been saturated in, yeah. in there's, some there's, of these. Look,
2: and there's interesting there's frameworks interesting, that don't work. Even looking at why conspiracy theories, which is only a recent term, but why some of these worldviews have risen and yeah. fallen away over the centuries, why people are attracted to trying to find out the real reason why things are happening mm. to them and to their people. It's fascinating. Mm. It's a fascinating study that there really is a boogeyman behind that. And the bigger picture here, and the reason why I'm happy to say, like I say, I don't say I'm a conspiracy theorist. I say I'm a conspiracy therapist. <laughs> and I, I believe that when people start questioning their reality, I truly do believe that they're one step closer into, into the kingdom of mm. God. Because a lot of those reasons why people start questioning their things is actually prompting them to sort of ask the right type of questions mm. now can it go yeah. into some dark oh, yeah that's right and it's can at, go go into some dopey stuff pretty that, quickly it's yet? at
1: that juncture that um that they can also get sort of led away it's interesting i recently met a young guy who had come to faith by watching youtube actually come to faith by watching youtube uh and and you know it was great to hear about that but he'd all He'd not only come to faith by watching YouTube, but he'd actually been then led away from the faith yeah. by the same YouTube. So he he was, you know, really anxious about all the things that were happening in the world, and the, and and it was, and interestingly, goes back to the what we were saying before about the end times. That yeah. this is the mark of the beast, and this is this, and 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 he was, and and he was really quite anxious about it, and yeah. uh, and fretting, and um, and so uh, sometimes. Yes, ask you know. Um, asking the questions can be good, but you've got to be really careful where yeah, it and, takes and, you. And I and I strongly believe about all things to
2: do with faith or conspiracy theories or these type of things, we are meant to be doing it with a group of people. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, we're meant to be asking these questions yeah.
1: in a group of people yeah. and
2: having having yeah, the discussion right. together.
1: And and I think I think the the the, the problematic thing uh, because. Uh, you know because this is an issue actually i mean we can we can jest but again we need to be careful that there's real people involved in this and 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 i know you know it's a uh it's a grievous thing often Mm. if there's a family member that goes down what's called the the rabbit hole the the key issue really is the obsessive focus like what i said before on what's really going on in the world yeah we actually that's not what we're Ever meant to be focusing on trying to work out what's really going on behind, um, uh, even if you think, even if you go down the the track of you know demonic forces doing yeah. this, or we're yeah. not even meant to be focusing on that, yeah. let alone on you know what what Politics. governments are doing or what secret forces behind this, or yeah. we're actually that. That actually is the beginning of our problem. What we need to be focusing on is how am I living my life and responding, and am I sticking to the mission that Jesus has given me? Yeah,
2: yeah. And that that's that's yeah. the ultimate way to do it, yeah. Chris. When I see you next time, Chris, you're going to get a thump for that one. <laughs> I'll just let you know right now. Here's my question for the Question Podcast. Oh.
1: This comes from this. I've got of, lots of questions. Do We get to ask yeah, questions. We as ask, well? Yeah, we can ask. I've yeah, we've got lots of questions. Well, we might have yeah. to do another one, another one.
2: <laughs> but here's one I thought because it might be a really s- simple answer. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, you know, so this is you know, hi, I'm DJ from Heighton. Uh, you know, long time uh, listener, first time caller. Uh, what does marriage Christian marriage look like in the ultimate state, the end state of glory? Because if we go, and the reason why I say that, because I know, like if we die now, we're with Jesus in paradise, you know, and there's, you know, talk around that. Then there's different parts of how Jesus comes back and if you different eschatology. Mm. But eventually, all of us Christians believe that eventually Mm. we will be living and ruling with Christ in the new heaven and the new earth, new Mm. Jerusalem, blah, 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 blah. Does... The Christian marriage that we have now yeah. to our spouses, have any reflection or any I don't know what what the what road is, is it observed at all? Or because In that it, final state. In that final state.
1: That's an interesting question. I this is actually one that I've been asked about. Will I be married to my spouse? Uh, and and of course, there's there's you know when Jesus is questioned by yes. the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they say talk about the the woman whose husbands die, and which one will she be she married? She marries to. all the brothers. And and Jesus says, you don't really understand. Uh, it's it's not really going to be anything like that. I mean, he doesn't. um he, he just talks about a different kind of state, and he talks about them being like angels. We're going to be like angels in heaven, not given to uh, marriage. Yeah, but that. But that could be interpreted in a lot of different ways, and yes. I think it's deliberately um, it's deliberately obscure in some ways answers the question without giving uh, away much i I think if we go if we a- argue up from first principles biblically and just think about love uh, and what that looks like in its highest highest form so imagine imagine if imagine a state in which you loved every single person that you came across with uh, as great a love, and and I'm going to think of of the of the the what to me is the most overwhelming form of love that I've experienced, um, it, sort of in its purest, most selfless form, and that's yeah. the love from, that I have for my children. Yes, um, because it's so um, it's uh, it it's in a sense. Uh, from the moment you know our children come, there's this almost this self-sacrificial. I will give anything for this, yeah. you know. So, but often we, you know, we love our children like that. But it's almost it would just be overwhelming to love every. You couldn't really. You it, it, so can't
2: function in that's society. That's right. So we like have that, these yeah. sort
1: of spheres of preference, almost. Yeah. Um, but imagine uh, imagine a state in which you loved everyone with a, with an even greater love than we know now even for our great even for our children because now we see in part yeah but then we shall you know yeah. in full we yeah. shall know in full right uh, as paul says in uh, corinthians 13 mm. so if the love that we have now is just a reflection of what we will have in the perfect state the perfect state of human togetherness then i think that is a beginning in terms of thinking about all relationships. Okay. Because uh, na- now, now we think in terms of sort of, ex- well, um, and, and it's not to say that there won't be, uh, you know, sp- that those special relationships won't be preserved. I just think the whole thing is going to be to a different level or of a different, slightly of course. different nature. I think Jesus is 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 pointing to that yeah. somehow. Some, uh, this is a mystery
2: to me. There's something that I lean into, and again, there's uh, you know, being very open and honest about it. In the discussions that I've had over the years with many people around it, I've had discussions with people who are incredibly sad in their marriage and have had abusive marriages. Mm. And so, the idea of any marriage existing in heaven yeah. is, is yeah, hell to them, yeah. you know, f- for me and my spouse. I'm so in love with her, and you know, and I learned so much about God from her. I can't imagine that relationship going away, and I sort of don't
1: want it to. Yeah. Is that some sort of idolatry in my heart over? Je- I, no, no, I, it, it, because that's a good thing. Because that love is a good thing. My point is that is that when all things are made perfect, yeah, w- will there be a lesser love that we have? For, I mean, w- w- won't it be? Won't we have a perfect and full love for all? uh yeah. all our fellow human beings you know because because it's like well i really love this person but, but okay
2: so let me let me go back one let me go back to right back to the beginning beginning is is it silly to think that the ultimate state of the final you know what i call the mm. you know the eternal <clears throat> the eternal state is going to be anything like like the Adini, the, yeah, the, yeah. the state in eden because in eden there was marriage yeah, there was a unique marriage. Yeah, the two was, became one, yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. And I
1: know a lot of people go, "Well, it's not the same," but then it is. But it is, and I, I yeah, I mean, but but it's interesting that that uh, in, I mean, Jesus, I think, alludes to that when he talks about the one that they may become one, as 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 I and the Father are one. Yeah, that they might become one. I mean, that's in his prayer, talking about uh, talking about his people, the community of his the people and and he does he does reflect that language of of oneness of human oneness and we
2: get so the, and then we get the principle of the bride of christ throughout the you know yeah yeah the that's New right so God.
1: um so to me that that points to something now we you know i'm just splashing around here and and i you know I, th- these are these are kind of um attempts at at biblically informed conjectures really <laughs> you know. So, so please understand. I'm not making definitive statements. We're not I'm, teaching, yeah. You, you know, I'm starting from biblical first principles—a biblical understanding of love and oneness. Yeah. Um, yes, we see that in the beginning with the first two, with, with the, you know, with Adam and Eve. But we, you know, we, we also see Jesus. Um, you know pointing to that in terms of the idea of perfect community and so yeah
2: I... and the and the other the other scary thing for me is someone who's who's like this is my little one of my little pet questions that i yeah. that i if i have some time i'll go do some research mm. on you can find a cult or a branch of Christianity, or a religion that believes in every facet of this, yeah. whether like marriage is forever, or yeah. you will be yeah. married in a different way, or there's no ma- like there's uh, oodles yeah. of all oodles yeah. of teaching, and the Bible really is very very silent,
1: yeah, about about this topic, yeah, which is I think for us in our day and age, when we're oriented towards having all the right theories, that's annoying because we think that the Bible should tell us everything and there should be no grey areas. And so we have a tendency to want to fill those in and come to a sort of doctrinal position a, 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 about this when um, you, you do a grey... Th- there are things that we don't know about that remain uh, you know, grey areas... Uh, and there are plenty of things, the fundamentals are black and white in Scripture, but we do no service to the grey areas by making them black and white.
2: That's true. We might have to do another episode on the grey areas in the future. (laughs) All right, we've got one more question we'll squeeze in for this episode. Uh, This one comes from Drew. Hi, this
3: is Drew from Wyndham Vale. Thanks, Matthew and DJ, for the podcast. I really love music, and, um, yeah, just like to know um, some good... Christian music suggestions from you both. that's all right, that'd be awesome. Thanks very much. Cheers. All
2: right, there's our there's our final question from Drew. Yeah, you're the uh,
1: you're the you're the Christian <laughs> music man. Uh, well, you're you're
2: in a Christian music band. That, that's
1: Let that's me right. Just... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a. What I, I, mean, I I love worship music. Yes. I listen to worship music from every, you know, from every direction that it yeah. comes, and I have a, you know, I have a playlist. I'm sort of selective. I mean, I'm, you know, it's it's a couple from this and a couple from that artist, and a couple from this artist, and so I love, I just love really great uh, worship music, and, um, and I tend to prefer the more reflective. I'm I'm a fairly contemplative uh, sort of person, so I prefer. The more reflective stuff, uh, more than the gung ho, more than the upbeat yeah. Yahoo. Here we go. Oh, there's television. always there's a place for uh, upbeat and Yahoo, yeah. um, and uh, that, that that to me that works better when I'm in a bigger group of yes. people and you you know it's so is great there any, celebration. So
2: off the top of your head, is there anything that you go you know what I've
1: really loved this song recently or loved this this particular act or anything like that? Uh, I've I've always looked, and and I know I mean. Uh some of the Hillsong worship stuff, uh, you know, I consistently go back uh to some of their material. I, I think it's got a beautiful um it's often, you know, it's got such a beautiful tone uh to it. But you know, let me let me say that I have a playlist that I regularly list that is is the most worshipful music that I have. And it's actually all um Instr- fairly reflective instrumental stuff. Some yes. of it's traditional sacred music. One of my favourites is is Arvo Part. He's an Estonian composer, and he writes a lot of choral uh, stuff. Um, and Part is P A with the umlauts over it. P A R T. We'll have a
2: link in the show notes.
1: Oh man, go to go if you whatever uh, streaming service you use. Yeah, go to. Material of his, and it's absolutely heavenly.
2: All right, well, have to, we might have to put a link out there for a
1: little bit of. So a he Matthew. would be—he would be my number one. Okay. Yeah, Good. easily, he would be my number one.
2: Great. See, that's good. That's what we wanted to get to an actual, an actual name out there for you. Look, for me, I'm. This is what I do for a living, and I know, and I know Drew, uh, who asked the question, knows this, and he's always. And
1: you have been the source of some great stuff (laughs) for me. You know, yeah.
2: But I, I, um, I'll I'll give you one for everybody right now, and this was recommended to me by another Christian artist, Tyson Motzenbocker. I got to interview him, and he told me about John Van Dusen. Ah. John Van Dusen is a guy. He's been in a couple of different bands. He's released three uh, solo albums that are uh, sort of linked together, but they're not. Yeah, And they go from like everywhere from like this power pop, you know, harmonized big sound to some sort of heavier sort of rock, like really tight, well written songs to this worshipful simplicity that you know the mm. most um, almost imagine like something from the 60s co- incredibly mm. simple folk music written in a, in a really simple it goes all over the gamut and mm. his three albums I've had on repeat mm. uh, you know for a few weeks now and I just I can't get enough of it wow I can't get enough John van Dusen I'll put his I'll put his link in there but um, I'll give one quick plug to the telly. To the telly, uh, my radio station that I do, the telly dot live. If you want to, if you want to get some, you know, new, new Christian music.
1: music, that's that's yep. the place to go. Did you, was that fun? We should, you know, go out with some music, shouldn't we? Yeah. Well, can we do that on yeah. this? Well, yeah. Is that allowed? I'll, I'll get permission and do
2: something. <laughs> what do you? Should I play some of what you recommended or John Van Dusen? No, play some John Van Dusen. All right, let's do this. Let's go out uh, with some John Van Dusen. Okay, editor's note here. I'm editing the podcast afterwards, and what I've decided to do is after the regular podcast has finished, keep on listening because I'll be back with some samples here, some examples of John Van Dusen's amazing music. And, uh, we'll have all the links to what we talked about in the show notes, so make sure you do that. And if you like what we've just done with questions and you want to, you want us to do this again, I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I thought it was fun. So, so get those questions to us and we'll... Uh, We'll keep them coming. All right, until next month, this has been Thrive Perspectives on behalf of DJ and Stu and Matt and everybody out there. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to Thrive Perspectives. We want to hear from you, so send us your big questions and ideas. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, download other shows, see all of our resources and much, much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visiting the website, ratethispodcast.com slash thriveperspectives really helps us reach more people. So head to ratethispodcast.com slash Thrive Perspectives. We hope that these shows will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective and thrive.
2: Look at you hanging out with me here at the end of the podcast. You want to hear some musical recommendations from your dear old mate, DJ Payne. And I know that we've gone long on the episode. So you know what? To heck with it. Let's go even longer as we play out some musical sound bites from John Van Dusen. Now, uh, John Van Dusen is an artist, an amazing Christian music artist uh, up from uh, Seattle. He uh, I, the, way, the way that I discovered him is I was interviewing a uh, an American Christian artist by the name of Tyson Motsenbocker yeah I know that's a big name Tyson Motsenbocker if you haven't checked out uh, Tyson yet go check him out he's one of my favourite singer songwriters of the last few years Tyson Motsenbocker told me that I had to go listen to John van Dusen and I'm so glad he did because he's been on repeat for the last few weeks uh, now John van Dusen was the lead singer and songwriter of a band called the Lonely Forest now watch out we're about to get musical nerd if you thought I was bad when it came to the Bible watch out I'm just as bad when it comes to uh, music and artists and stuff like that so uh, from from Seattle Washington up in that uh, you know up in that part of the world where we have bands like like Death Cab for Cutie uh, You know Other artists uh, You know Coming out of that scene uh, Death Cab for Cutie One of their uh, Musicians One of the guys In Death Cab for Cutie Started a record label And actually signed uh, The Lonely Forest Now if you like bands Like um, You know The Shins Bright Eyes Even a bit of Teenage Fan Club Or even Weezer Uh, you'll get a bit of what The Lonely Forest and even John Van Dusen is all about. If you're into the Christian uh, side of music, you might have heard of John Mark Pantana, a new band called Gable Price and Friends. Um, You're getting a bit of a vibe for this alternative indie sort of rock sound that I love from John Van Dusen. So John Van Dusen's first solo album is called I Am Origami Part 1, the Universal Sigh. Let me play you a couple of sound bites from that album. I want to play you a little bit of Mind Reader and then Absentee
3: Heartbeat. If you need a little take a little space
2: gives you a bit of a taste of John Van Dusen and what I love about him, that the music is very interesting, angular sort of uh, you know arrangements, but the lyrics are so straightforward and honest and very, very much what's going on. He p- sings very plainly about what's happening in his life. Uh, his second release as a solo artist is called I Am Origami Part 2, Every Power Wide Awake. It came out in 2018 and it is pretty much a straightforward, uh, very acoustic bass with a lot of uh, other sounds put in there. Uh, a worship album. I love this. This is one of the most you know, rewarding albums I've listened to in the last couple of, uh, couple of years. I want to play you two songs from this album. None Other and I Will
3: Praise Your Name Yahweh. And I want to walk the bloody And worship at your feet Cause I can't think of Anything better than Losing my life for you I can't think of Anything sweeter than Shedding my blood for you And who shall I
2: Great place to start if you're coming into John Van Dusen for the first time. If you're used to listening to Christian music, I think his album, Every Power Wide Awake, is a great place to start. It is really immediate, gorgeous, and so honest in worship there. It's gorgeous. His last album that he's released from 2019 is called I Am Origami. You guessed it, part three, A Catacomb Hymn. And this is a lot more, uh, you know, interesting indie rock, different layered vocals and things like that. I want to play you two songs. I'm going to leave you here with these two songs. I want to play you Still From Myself and then his big single and uh, video clip that he released there, Whatever Makes You Mine. Alright, that is enough from me. Uh, I'm doing Doing What I Do on the telly.live. If you like what I do here, uh, you can listen to it on the telly.live. Uh, what I Do as a radio station, completely separate to Thrive, completely separate to what we do here. It's all about Christian music over there. So thank you so much for listening. I'm going to leave you now with a little bit of John Van Dusen, still from myself and then whatever makes you mine. All right, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And there's a hole in
3: every glass that I drink from now, to sure.
0: another DJP.FM production.